Amy Hill. Thanks for tuning in to Amy on the Hill, a podcast born out of Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, which says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. to another week of the podcast. I'm so glad you decided to listen in. For those of you who listen regularly, you know we are currently reading through and discussing the book of James from the Bible, and we're also reading and discussing Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love. I say this every week, and I'll say it again. You do not need to read along to benefit from this podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, please stick around and listen to our discussion. Today we're going to be talking about the brevity of life, and I realize that's not the lightest topic to consider, but it's definitely worth our consideration. So as we do every week, let's take a minute to pray and ask the Lord to work through this podcast and through our reading. We, of course, want to do our part. We want to apply our minds and hearts to the teaching of God's word, and we need to spend time in prayer and fellowship with other people of faith. Uh, But we also need to ask God uh, just to do a divine work of his spirit in our lives, because apart from him, all of our efforts in life and whatever it is we're doing, all of our efforts amount to nothing. Remember in John chapter 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so in taking time to intentionally come before the Lord in prayer when we begin our time here together each week, I hope this will be a reminder to each one of us, especially me, especially me, uh, that we are completely dependent upon our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and take a minute now to pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' holy name. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for hearing our prayer today. We don't want to rush into your presence without sincerely considering who you are. We want to remember who we're speaking to and what a privilege it is to be in relationship with you. Through our book study, Lord, we've been considering your majesty and wonder. We've paused to acknowledge the brevity of our lives here on earth. In our reading this week and you know we're seeking to reprioritize our desires and even our thoughts we want to live on purpose we don't want to spend our lives on lesser things um, you know our time here is short and we don't want to foolishly put off your call on our lives because we're not guaranteed tomorrow help us to really grasp our own mortality Lord rather than um, the reality of that Uh, causing us to panic uh, and stress and worry. Please use this truth to draw us into closer relationship with you. Help us to learn 
to trust you with the fragility of this life. We don't want that to cause us uh, to live in denial or to live in panic or despair. We want it to cause us to set our eyes and hearts sincerely on you and sincerely on heaven. We want to live like this is temporary because, Lord, this is temporary. So thank you, Lord, for the promise of that which is not temporary. Thank you for the promise of eternity with you. Uh, and again, we love you, Lord, and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so this week we read James chapter 3 out of the Bible, and out of Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, we read chapter 2, entitled, You Might Not Finish This Chapter. Isn't that a very uplifting title for a chapter? You might not finish this chapter. That is certainly something to think about. Benjamin Franklin famously said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Death is certain. Everyone listening to this podcast is going to die, uh, as crazy as that sounds, you know? Everyone listening to this podcast is going to die unless Jesus returns first. And <clears throat> for those of you who may be confused by my speaking of Jesus' return, uh, the Bible very clearly teaches uh, that Jesus will return again. Scholars and theologians debate over how he will return, but there is no real debate that he will return. There are many verses in scripture that support this teaching, and one of the many examples can be found in James, which we're reading along here um, with Crazy Love, James chapter 5, verse 8, where we are told to be patient and stand firm because the coming of the Lord is near. And uh, as I said, there are many other verses in Scripture you can check out if you're interested. Acts chapter 1, verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 15 and through to the beginning of chapter 5. Uh, these are just some examples. Again, there are many. So if you're interested, I encourage you to uh, look up some of those verses. Because, again, as I was saying, everyone listening to this podcast, including me, obviously, will either be alive here on earth when Jesus returns, or if the Lord tarries, every person listening to this podcast is 100% guaranteed to die. And uh, that applies to every person we love as well. And yet, in this generation, it seems to me at least that this uh, very serious reality is something that we as a society and as individuals don't take very much time to think about. Instead, I have personally found, in my experience anyway, that most people are often surprised by illness or tragedy as though it was completely unexpected, when in reality, we should be living with the expectation that our time is most assuredly coming. There are a lot of verses in the Bible that speak to the brevity of life as well. In this chapter, Francis Chan mentioned another verse out of James, James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, which say, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. 
it appears for a little while and then vanishes. Francis also referenced Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, which says, It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man, and the living should take this to heart. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll remember uh, we talked about Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2 in a previous episode, and we marveled at the unusual claim that is made here. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man, and the living should take this to heart. This is saying it's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party. It's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party because every one of us is going to die. Death is the destiny of every person, and it's good for the living to take this to heart. I think a problem we face as American Christians is we're so often at a party, and we're so rarely at a funeral. And because of that, then that's just in life in general, not just like a funeral the death of somebody. I mean, we just don't see a lot of suffering in our everyday lives um, in the day-to-day. We just live very comfortable lives. And because of that, we don't really think about death. We don't have to think about it. We're kind of removed from it until it's upon us or upon someone we love. The healthcare uh, has improved so much over the past century, praise God. You know, three of my biological grandparents are still living. They're all in their 80s. And, you know, actually not too long ago, I was talking with my maternal grandparents about their parents. So we were talking about my grandparents' parents, my great-grandparents. And my grandparents were telling me how their parents, you know, they lost children to childhood illness. They lost children in war. They themselves died fairly young. And, um, you know, this wasn't very long ago. But this generation that we presently live in, knows very little of that kind of loss. And, you know, on one hand, that's obviously a blessing. I thank the Lord. Um, You know, obviously I know I still could lose a child to illness. You know, the likelihood of that happening is so much lower today than it was uh, for my great-grandparents. So thank you, God. Uh, But on the other hand, you know, it's not good for me uh, to take life for granted. Um, And I think that's what a lot of us are doing. The Bible says death is the destiny of every person, and therefore it is good for the living to take this to heart. It's good to fully appreciate the reality of this. It's good to live with this in mind. It's not good to live in denial about this. It's not good to allow ourselves to be so distracted with parties and TV shows and food, and Instagram, and climbing the corporate ladder, so that we never stop to think about our mortality. Uh, Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 says in the English Standard Version, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Psalm 39.4 says in the New Living Translation, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. 
Let this also be the prayer of our hearts. Alright, so we've been discussing several verses in the Bible that say it is good to be mindful of our short time here in this life. But I wonder if you're asking the same question I asked myself, why is it good? Why is it good to number our days? Why is it good to be reminded of our brief time on earth and to know that our days are numbered? The Bible says this gives us a heart of wisdom. The Bible says this gives us a heart of wisdom. Do you think that's true? I, I do think that's true. And I actually think it's evident even to people who may not share our faith. I think that we see this idea being raised uh, even in the mainstream media. For instance, uh, something that came to my mind. Do you guys, any of you guys remember that guy from American Idol, uh, Chris Allen? I feel like it was like 2008 maybe 2009, something like that. He had a hit song at one point called Live Like We're Dying. And uh, I don't know if you guys will recognize this song, but the lyrics of that song, it was on the radio for a while. Um, the lyrics of that song went like this. You got to start looking at the hands of the time we've been given here. If this is all we got. Then we got to start thinking it. Every second counts on the clock that's ticking. Got to live like we're dying. We've only got 86,400 seconds in a day to turn it all around or to throw it all away. Gotta tell them that we love them while we got the chance to say, gotta live like we're dying. Well, if your plane fell out of the skies, who would you call with your last goodbye? Should be so careful who we left out of our lives. So when we long for absolution, there'll be no one on the line. Yeah, we got to start looking at the hands of the time we've been given here. This is all we got. Then we got to start thinking it. Every second counts on the clock. That's ticking. Got to live like we're dying. We only got 86,400 seconds in a day to turn it all around or to throw it all away. Got to tell them that we love them while we got the chance to say, got to live like we're dying. And uh, another song that came to my mind was um, a song by Darius Rucker. I think that was also around something like 2010. Uh, and that song was called It Won't Be Like This For Long. And uh, it went like this. He didn't have to wake up. He'd been up all night lying there in bed listening to his newborn baby cry. He makes a pot of coffee, splashes water on his face. His wife gives him a kiss and says, it's going to be okay. It won't be like this for long. One day soon we'll be looking back laughing at the week we brought her home. This phase is going to fly by, so baby, just hold on. It won't be like this for long. Four years later, about 4.30, she's crawling in their bed, and when he drops her off at preschool, she's clinging to his leg. The teacher peels her off of him. He says, what can I do? She says, now don't you worry. This will only last a week or two. It won't be like this for long. One day soon you'll drop her off and she won't even know you're gone. This phase is going to fly by if you can just hold on. It won't be like this for long. That song just goes on to say that the girl becomes a teenager, sulking in her bedroom, and then all at once, obviously, you know, the dad is lifting her veil on her wedding day and giving her away. And the song ends uh, with this 
one day soon that little girl is going to be all grown up and gone. Yeah, this phase is going to fly by, so he's trying to hold on. It won't be like this for long. It won't be like this for long. These are just two songs um, in preparing for the podcast today that popped into my head. Um, but I know there are many more. I thought about finding some more, but then I also thought I don't want to waste the whole podcast reciting lyrics for you. So I'm sure you get the point. But the point is, you know, as we've been saying, there is so much value in being aware of the brevity of life. It helps us to love more deeply and live more intentionally with uh, appreciation for the blessings in our lives. It helps us not to take people uh, and circumstances for granted. It also helps us not to focus on things that don't matter, uh, not to focus on things that are passing away and have no lasting value when we're gone. Uh, and instead, we'll be more likely to live our lives with an eternity mindset. And, and that's what Francis is trying to get us to focus on in this chapter. He doesn't want us to live distracted lives caught up in ourselves, thinking and living like this life is all about us, when in reality, it's all about God. talk about before we end today because there's another side to being super aware of your mortality and I wanted to talk about it because this was very true for me. I believe I shared this on a previous podcast but uh, for those of you who haven't heard this before um, at one point I was not living under the delusion that this life would go on forever. I was not too distracted to notice that the seconds of my life were ticking away. Instead, I was so sobered by my own mortality that it was actually kind of paralyzing. And I know this has and is and can be an issue for others as well. In my case, when I was going through this, I had just become a mother and I don't know, it was kind of like that Darius Rutger song. I was holding this little baby and I saw my whole life broken down into segments or something. It's like I could see a map of the future laid out before me and the map didn't uh, allow for much time. Soon this little baby I was holding would be a toddler then she'd be in elementary school, then she'd be in high school. Before I knew it, she'd be moving out, probably going to college, probably getting married and having kids. I'd be her grandmother, and then I was going to die. And I'll tell you what, it was kind of crazy. Uh, there was still, obviously, a lot of unknowns in my life. Um, but I was so young. So, I mean, I was in my late 20s, and uh, my life was basically reduced to these little blocks of time. And I, now I saw my end so clearly. Um, I don't know if the, anything like that has ever happened to any of you listening. It was just kind of a strange thing um, for me. But at the same time, you know, that I was going through this with regard to myself, I was also really fearful for my daughter. Because as most parents will tell you, uh, the love you have for your kids is pretty nuts. It was overwhelming for me to be entrusted with the care of a human life, and I wanted so badly to do right by her, uh, but I was fearful. 
I was fearful about being able to keep her safe and healthy. And frankly, I was fearful about being able to keep her alive. I just wanted to keep her alive. Uh, but I became super hyper aware of the fact that I could not keep her alive. I mean, I would obviously care for her as best I knew how, but I couldn't prevent her from getting sick or getting hurt. I really wasn't in control at all. I just, I just really became aware of that. And, and yet my heart was hanging out there in the world unprotected. So I think it kind of forced me to a crossroads with God. It definitely forced me uh, to a crossroads with God, which was scary, but ultimately uh, was a really good thing uh, for me and my relationship with the Lord. On page 45 of the paperback edition I have of Crazy Love, Francis talked about the lack of control he also felt as a father to his newborn baby son. Uh, he wrote, isn't life always fragile? It is never under control. Even as I sat holding my son, I realized I couldn't control whether he would even love God. Ultimately, I have just as little control over my own life and what will happen to me. Isn't the easiest thing at this point to start living a guarded, safe, controlled way, to stop taking risks and to be ruled by our fears of what could happen? Turning inward is one way to respond. The other is to acknowledge our lack of control and reach out for God's help. If life were stable, I'd never need God's help. Since it's not, I reach out for him regularly. I'm thankful for the unknowns and that I don't have control because it makes me run to God. Let me read those last few sentences of Francis's statement again. Acknowledge our lack of control and reach out for God's help. If life were stable, we'd never need God's help. Since it's not, we'll reach out for him regularly. We need to be thankful for the unknowns and that we don't have control because it makes us run to God. In my case, this may seem weird, but I was really scared to reach out for God's help. I thought if uh, I got too close to God, he would basically see how messed up I was and he'd have to discipline me. And I was really worried about him taking my daughter away from me. I knew, you know, God asked everything of us and I knew he wanted me to trust him with her. Uh, but I had a really hard time with that because I knew God as a disciplinarian, but I didn't know him as a loving father. It took some time for him to communicate to me uh, that the way I loved my daughter, he loved me more than that. And on top of that, he loved my daughter more than I loved my daughter. He didn't promise me that nothing bad would ever happen to me or my daughter, but he did reassure me that he was not cruel, nor was he flippant in administering discipline. If he allowed something difficult in my life or in my daughter Carolyn's life, it was only because it was necessary uh, for his glory and, uh, and my good. And so eventually, you know, I did pry open my fist uh, and open my hand to him and really turn uh, her over to him and turn myself over to him. But it did take me 
a while to get there. It took me a while to trust him. I'm going to be honest because I was a messed up girl. I didn't know God's love. I didn't know love that is patient, love that is kind. He is so kind. He is so kind. Love that is humble. Love that is not easily angered. Love that keeps no record of wrongs. Love that rejoices with truth. Love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I didn't know love that never fails. And of course, I am quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And it's this love that makes me today, like Francis, uh, I'm thankful that life is unstable. It makes me thankful for the unknowns, because if I could do this life on my own, I wouldn't have known this love. I wouldn't have lived this life in the daily care and shelter I find under God's wing. I wouldn't be living a life of purpose. I'd be living for myself, for the here and now, wasting my time, wasting my talents, and wasting my treasure. I wouldn't be living with my eyes set on eternity. But thank God, he wanted more than that for me, and he wants more than that for you. He wants more than that for all of us. He is a good good father. Well, I'm sad to say it, but our time has once again come to an end. This week, we'll be reading chapter three of Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, and out of the Bible, we'll be reading James chapter four. As I always mention, you can pull up the reading schedule at any time by clicking the link for it under the resources section of my website, amyonthehill.com. Um, my friend Kelly uh, was telling me she was trying to pull that up this week and couldn't find it. Um, if, you, you're, if you scroll down a little bit, she was getting confused with the reading schedule with the uh, Navigator Bible reading plan. If you go under the resources section of my website, you're also going to see a Bible reading plan that I really like. You'll see... Uh, a Bible app that I really like. I just have some things that you can use there that I like to use, and I just have links for that stuff. But if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see a really big picture of the book, Crazy Love. And right, uh, either if you're looking at it on a computer screen, it should be to the right of that picture. If you're looking at it on your phone or device, it might be right under the picture. You will see in um, small lettering, something that says, you know, for the reading schedule, click here. But um, yeah, so Kelly missed that. And if you missed that, I apologize. They should probably reformat it so it's easier to find. But that's where that is. Um, under the resources section of amyonthehill.com, you can also find links to watch the videos that Francis Chan made to correspond with each chapter of the book, Crazy Love. And while you're on my website, also go ahead and sign up for the email list. That way you can get an update every time a new blog post or podcast is published. Please also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Facebook, just search Amy on the Hill, uh, and the page should come up on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me under the handle Amy BX Hill. Again, that handle is Amy BX Hill. Okay, so that's it for now. As always, I'm going to close us with the blessing of the benediction found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.